If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman of the 430 Movie. I'm here with... Steve Melching. Darren Docterman. Ashley Miller. You know, and if you want to know what Ashley's pick out of the box is, you owe it to yourself to watch the 430 Movie live. You should see the expressions. The only way to understand the kinds of faces we're making when Ashley does Wednesday is to watch us on Electric Now. It's one thing to hear us, but you can't see the expressions on our face. You can't hear disbelief. Coming soon, our new podcast, Ashley Does Wednesday. (laughs) Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. And welcome to the Cartoon Bar Room. I'm your host, Stephen Melching. This is the show where we invite experts and industry professionals to pull up a stool and talk about all things animation. And here's uh, sitting next to me at the bar is uh, your your jovial co-host, Ashley Edward Miller. Why, hello there, jovial co-host, Steve Melching. You know what? I found out something interesting this week. I found out something that um, that uh, that one of our our, uh, our, our producers, our good friend, Mark Altman, really hates in a podcast. And um, he hates it when people say hi, or how are you, or how is your day? And um, I just want to say, hi, Steve. How are you? How was, how was your day, your- actually? It was great, man. How was your day? <laughs> uh, honestly, I have to tell you. So what a, uh, um, I am, uh, our guest is like just Amazing. Like, I even know how to begin introducing our guest um, because you could try to go down his, his IMDb. Go down my rabbit hole. Go down his rabbit hole <laughs> and uh, pick out the best pellets, I guess. But there are, there are 626 listings as an actor uh, for this man, which are in- including, including my freaking show. Uh, and I am speaking of the legendary um, star of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and The Bad Batch, which released just this week. Uh, the master of creature voices, the go-to guy when you need an animal in your life, Uh <laughs> Mr. Uh. D. Bradley Baker. D, I have a question before we get hey into Hey, guys, how's your day? <laughs> it, was, it was great. How was your day, D? Oh, great. Did you also go down to the store and do some things? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could list it all. That would be terrific. <laughs> What did what did you choose to drink tonight at the bar room? Tonight it's a mixture of ice, bourbon, and stevia sweetened ginger beer. Mm. <laughs> that sounds actually kind of amazing. It's all right. It's all right. I'm for it. Relaxes, <laughs> Daddy. All right. <laughs> what, what what are you what are you drinking, Ashley? Uh, tonight on the menu, we have the Grey Goose Martini. Oh. Very dry. Drier than the Atacama Desert, which is the driest fucking desert on Earth. And yourself, Mr. Melching? Well, I'm, I've got my, my Kettle One screwdriver. Outstanding. Okay. I enjoy, right. I enjoy a nice screwdriver. That's right. So like with, the, with the non-slip number three head? Like, is that? <laughs> yes. By the way, did cheers. you? Yeah, cheers. Lahayim, Mr. Rovia, all that good stuff. Prost. To cartoons. Yeah, um, before we, we, we get onto this bad batch thing, this little thing that you're doing, Dee, uh, thing, all the back. little things that you're doing, um, I, I think the reason why the screwdriver was on my mind was that uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines came out this weekend. It's quite good. Uh, I'd love good. to see it. I've heard very, very good things about it. Is, is that a movie or a series? It's it's a movie. It's on Netflix. It's Lord and Miller, Sony Animation. It turned out really, really nicely. So there you go. That's my that's my plug for the week randomly. But let's talk about D. Let's talk about the Bad Batch. And and there's so many things we want to talk about. Because I think like one of the coolest things that you can talk about in ways that that almost nobody else can are the creature voices, is kind of where you find all that stuff and your amazing um, history in that in that space. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, there are certainly like other actors who do it. Um, I think the, the only one that comes close is the legendary Frank Welker, mm -hmm. who was sort of the previous generation's uh, go-to guy Frank, for, Frank you know, he Welker did the monkey, is, monkey in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and, Frank Welker you know, is Coca-Cola and I'm RC Cola. That, that's, uh, that's what... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a suit that fits me well, just because it's really of my life. Um, I've I've always liked monster movies. I like performing. Um, I liked improv. Um, I like drawing attention to myself by doing weird vocalizations and physicalizations. And um, I followed a path of of uh, creativity that was not one ever directed towards money or really success. <laughs> um, and, and so it was just doing odd things that I liked. My creative heroes were like Frank Zappa and Randy Newman. And, and, but that was before Randy Newman really got big making uh, feature scores. It was his, it was his songs. Mm -hmm. which, which most people are not familiar with Randy Newman's songs, and certainly hardly anybody is familiar with, with Frank Zappa. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I also like Tom Waits. I like the weird stuff uh, that's kind of artsy and smart, but just weird and fun and um, and creative and not necessarily commercially directed, but that just had sort of a a fun to it that, mm -hmm. that I liked. And so those, those things kind of married together with my interest and appreciation of animals, and certainly of monster movies. I liked video games. I wasn't, I wasn't really into it because I didn't. I wasn't good at video games because I didn't have money to buy. To, yeah. for, I didn't have quarters <laughs> in in the in the seventies, 
And um, I didn't. There was a quarter shortage, I think. Like that was like back in '76 <laughs> when they were all being. Well, I had know. a quarter shortage. They, they, uh, I think there legitimately was a quarter shortage yeah. uh, during the, the <laughs> early '80s. I think. I just wished I had quarters. I had no quarters. But it, but all those things kind of came together um, along with my lack of ambition or goals in life after college. And um, I just kind of stumbled into something that that worked for me very well, which was fun and that I liked doing. And that um, that people needed. It turns well, out. Well, how old were you when you started making creature voices uh, and monsters and stuff? Were you just like a little well, kid imitating Godzilla on the TV? No, not as a little kid. I wouldn't. No, I, I was a. I don't think I was. A, I think I was a boring little goody two shoes uh, nerd who liked to read Lord of the Rings and and watch Jacques Cousteau and um, read you know um, anthology science fiction. Um, the Hobbit and all, of course, and watch Star Trek and anything that had monsters or or sci-fi. I was I was watching that on television, of course, and in the movies if I could get you know my dad to drive me there. Yeah. Um, yeah so all those things just kind of wove together to uh, gradually connect up to this. I, I when I did stand up for a few years back in the mid '80s uh, with my buddy Aaron Shore, who's now a television writer. He wrote on Raymond and. Uh, other shows and um, the stuff I like to do is is weird physicalizations and and odd sounds and and I I, I didn't want to tell jokes uh, and my influences with that might have been you know like with Steve Martin or even Andy Kaufman although Steve Martin was really more to my liking uh, someone who wasn't really quite doing what was like straight ahead Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, stand-up comedy, you know, it was it was almost performance art, if if it's art, <laughs> but oh it's a lot of fun, and um, you know, and and I really I thought that you know like Fireside Theater was cool, uh, and Monty Python, and um, um, there was a there was a radio show coming out of of New York called Jack Flanders, which I thought was really really fascinating. It was a it was a fantasy, it was a scripted fantasy radio play uh, that would play weekly. And I just thought that was really cool. And so in the late 70s, back when I was getting into my high school years, I'd make these audio tapes with my friends uh, that we would just kind of share amongst each other that were very odd and and just dada, very <laughs> just kind of prairie, prairie dada, I would call it because I grew up in Greeley, Colorado. Um, but that that was all just for fun, just being weird for fun, right? And then it really wasn't until in my late 20s, um, and I was kicking around doing a lot of different kinds of performing and, and found stuff that paid that I liked to do and just kind of kept following that. But not really for the money, but I, I, I wanted to have a practical existence, um, but I also just wanted to do things I liked to do. I wanted to do the weird stuff I liked to do. And, uh, and, and gradually, I, I think I had the patience because I didn't have, I didn't have early aspirations of any kind of clarity whatsoever. I mean, I was a philosophy major with practically a minor in German in college, for God's sakes. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to teach German. I didn't want to teach philosophy or write philosophy books. I just liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I had no practical goal with that whatsoever. And so that that was to my advantage that that I could wait kind of later for my life to sort of decant and I could gradually 
find my own personal uh, confidence and traction, I think, later probably than most people did. Um, and rather than locking to something that I was good at, you know, I, I could have like tried to be a lawyer or something like that, which I think I would have been, I would have been good at that. My mom and dad thought that would have been a good choice, but it's like, I would have been miserable. I would have been, <laughs> you know, trapped by my own competency. So fortunately that didn't go. And I, and I, you know, I, I went out to Orlando for a while, uh, then, then to Los Angeles to, and I thought I wanted to do cartoons, but I didn't know, you know, you don't really have any idea when you have a, a creative ability, how good you are, you know, you, you don't know what you have in you and you don't know how you stand up to competition. Uh, once you get going, you just, you have no idea, but it's really a question of, do you have the guts to, to try it or the curiosity to step out and try it? And then if it gets going and gets going good, then do you have the gumption or the drive to, or the resources or the support to kind of up your game uh, in, a, in, a, in a more competitive, more professional market if you want to take it that way. And you don't have to take it that way. You can, you can keep this stuff amateur and just have fun and that's okay. But the way it worked out for me is that, that it, it, it focused into a professional uh, avenue that, um, that was a lot of fun and that afforded me um, a lifestyle that I liked and that my wife liked. And, um, and that's gone very, very well. But a lot of that is just, the way I look at it is a lot of it's just, it's just dumb luck. I mean, you really, really so much in life that you do is it, you just do it because at the time it seems like a good idea. Yeah, they want a lot of bad things happen to me that way too, but well, that's, that's just right. because my judgment sucks, right? Well, it's like, you know, it's like parenting. It's like, oh, you must be a great dad. It's like, I, ha ask me in 30 years. I have no idea. I can't tell. Right. You know, no matter, even if it's bad or good right now, you know, the big picture doesn't really kick in until much further. And so we humans, you know, you start planting your flags on these hills that you really don't know what's on this hill. <laughs> and you don't, you don't really know how or have any idea, you poor, poor, <laughs> unfortunate soul, what is in store for you in terms of the change that's coming your way or the revelations that are coming from you or, 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 or what life has to throw you. And so, you know, you just kind of make your best offer and, and, and hopefully uh, find your fun, your own fun path is kind of how I look at it. <laughs> you know, I, I love, we talked offline right before we started about, uh, I love that you mentioned these tapes that you made as a kid and, and you talked a little bit oh, about yeah. when you're, when you're younger, you're kind of experimenting, you have that freedom to try on different things. Like maybe I like to write, or maybe I like to play sports, or maybe I like to do things. And, and it's funny because I did the same thing mm. in my junior high school years uh, growing up outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, for some reason, these kids that lived right down the street from me had a had recording booth in their house. They had a full on like a uh, microphone booth with acoustic tile. And then they had a, like a, a, a little Radio Shack mixing console and turntables wow. and tape decks wow. and all these records, sound effects records and music. So like we would go down there and set up all this shit and and make our own little radio comedy yeah. dramas with we do fake commercials and we do news reports and all that kind of use all the sound effects and and do multiple layers we figured out how to do chipmunk voices by playing back the the real real tape at a different speed yep and it, I think we were partially inspired by Howard Stern who at the time was working at DC 101 and did did a lot of sketches on his show. So we tried that on. So it sounded like you were doing 
a similar thing with your friends yeah. and, and by yourself? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I eventually got a little Fostex uh, two-channel four-track. Uh, and and what I do is I get together with my buddy Aaron, and we'd make what what we we call them black tapes. And what we meant is like you can't ever play this. This is banned. <laughs> this is yes. you may not. This is a free space where you can say whatever stupid thing you want, and it'll probably you know destroy your political career if you were to ever have one. But but it's a free creative space, uh, <laughs> is what it is. And so we would get together and eat chips and maybe sip a beer. Uh, uh, not a lot of that though, and and just riff on ideas, and then that turned into another thing, which um, uh, some buddies that I I I met uh, doing children's theater in Colorado Springs back in the eighties of of eight, probably eighty seven eighty eight around there, uh, that we that we kind of put together a I'm going to call it an improv sketch performance art group that we called Regulex. And the concept that I came up was it was a it was a performance troupe from a mall in the future. And it was this this giant abandoned mall that was three miles long and twenty seven stories high and had a had a, a lake in the in the basement with a big with a big um, uh, ship in it. And and then it was a, it was surrounded by an abandoned uh, parking lot. And then outside was this wasteland, this kind of Mad Max wasteland, because you had wastelands and post-apocalyptic situations back then. We have them again now, but they're coming <laughs> they're back. And a lot of empty, abandoned malls. Yes. Right. But back then, you know, it's like it was all training towards the mall back in the 80s. And so we were from the future. Our, our tagline was, we, we've seen the future and we don't like it a bit. And we... <laughs> <laughs> and we were, and, and we came back to do these performances that were partially against a tape, uh, and then partially were these scripted things that we would do to, you know, you know, to no money to cra to people who would, you know, and endure this. <laughs> uh, so that was an example. You know, if you want to go back further, I mean, like you're saying there, uh, Steve is the um, like I I'd, I'd use like a tape deck, and I figured out that if I used half dead batteries. And recorded it, and then put in fresh batteries. Then I would I would get the chipmunk sound, and I would you know I I would it's like I would you know, I even did ventriloquism a little bit. You know, there's there, there's ways you can look back and say, ah, he's trying to be a voice actor, but that's not going to work out. That's not quite it. <laughs> but he's trying. I, think I had one of these those little uh, Sony uh, cassette recorders, and I figured out if he pushed down the record button and held it just at the right space, the tape would go really fast. Yeah. So I could record my voice. And then play it back, and it'd be really slow. <laughs> so much fun goofing around with. Well, that, that was crap. part of the fun for me. Is I always had a, I always had a, an affinity, uh, and that might be too shallow of a word, with technology. Uh, you know, whether it was a record player or a, a reel-to-reel -reel that my dad gave me. My dad was a musician, um, and uh, or the or the four-track or. Um, you know, I, I was the first person I knew, no, the second person that I knew that had my own personal computer, an Apple IIc, where I could, oh. you know, I, I, I could I could word process and I could run programs. I could I could program in basic. I taught myself basic. And, um, you know, I, I've always been very technical. Uh, I've had a great affinity for technology, even though I'm, I'm also a very creative person in, in a lot of ways too. I'm, I'm this, this mashup of these, of these things, which actually I think dovetails nicely in voice acting because especially now, 
I mean, you've got to have, I'm surrounded by a lot of technology, but then I add all of this other, this kind of aesthetic ridiculousness as well. Well, um, you know, what you were saying about all the experimentation you did in terms of finding sounds and, and finding voices. I mean, one of the things that, that you do that seems almost just arcane, right? It's like, and how the hell does it happen is, um, it, obviously, you know, you, you can spend as much time as you like, like trying to figure out how to imitate a lion and probably get pretty close. But at some yeah. point, like the physics gets in your way, right? Because like, you don't have like, you, you, your, your body, like the space in your chest, all those things, like can't quite get it you gotta, there. You got to go beyond your body. Right. So how do you do that? Like, and how did you, how did you teach yourself to do that? I hope he's about to give us a demo. <laughs> I mean, look, you've got to have a fearlessness of extension, I think, with what it is that you want to do, right? Right. So if you have limitations that are physical limitations, then you can also start to find other things that can, that can transcend that. And, you know, and, and with voice acting, I don't, I don't use things like this much, but, you know, like you can get, you know, like a, a glass cylinder as opposed to like a, you know, a regular human voice is like a rah, rah, and then I can modify that, you know, even just with blocking my nose to a yeah. and then I can take it further with a you know, you can so, and, and, and whether you use that extension of it or not is beside the point you're trying to find ways to extend yourself, to extend the idea of what it is you want to do, whether it's a vocal thing or a mental thing or, 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 any, or a visual thing. And, and you find ways to, to, to use your limitations the best that you can and to leapfrog past those with whatever is available, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And I find like what you're doing, this sort of analog approach to it uh, is preferable to, you know, digital manipulation. There's just something about being able to create those voices in real time with, with things that you can manipulate yourself rather than... Uh, well, it's the most efficient, you know, yeah. it's, it, 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 it's efficient. It's, it's the most efficient still to go with flesh and blood and, and something tangible that... Um, that digital can be fast, but fast can be really inefficient. <laughs> it can. And, and my experience with that, just in terms of the getting the performance is, um, you know, on, on Dota, we don't do a lot of electronic digital enhancement. Dodo? Dodo, yes. <laughs> on, on Dodo Dragone. Oh, 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 oh right. Oh, right, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't we don't do a lot of the, the, uh, the, the, the digital stuff. I like to kind of just have the actor do their thing and layer it if we need to layer it. I mean, yeah. uh, I just kind of feel like the, like the, you're always sort of aware of the digital effect. Like it, 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 it takes something away from the, from the performance. Yeah. You remove, you remove a, a real world physics and replace it with a mathematics that's not connected to our, our sense of what, of how reality works. And so there's an artificiality to it that makes it inauthentic. There's a, there's an inauthenticness, uh, inauthenticity, mm -hmm. I don't know which one was, that, <laughs> that introduces when you do that. That, that's, I mean, it's like, every time I play a video game, it's like, these eyes look still completely dead. And it's like, why don't they just hire an actor and,
and shoot the actor and, and just put the actor in there because then it looks real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like at some point um, you're doing so much to an actor's voice that it's you almost wonder why you hired that actor, right? Like the the good version is you've got James Earl Jones talking in a bucket and he's Darth Vader. <laughs> the the bad news is like any one of these sort of indie characters who are the bad guys who have the the treated voice that you you couldn't tell who the hell they are and. And what I find just amazing about you is when you come into the booth, I can give you two characters who are dragons or two characters who are gigantic cats. <laughs> and your process is you find a character in each one of them. So, you know, you're giving us um, sounds that are relevant to the creature, but you're also oh, giving us sounds that are relevant to the to the character, which I just find fascinating. Well, like. That's that's really gratifying to hear because that's what I want to do. Because I, the thing that I realized, because I've played video games, I've, I've watched science fiction, I love monster movies, I, I I know a lot about animals, and and I and one thing I know as someone who consumes these this this kind of information is that the last thing that you want in a show is generic. Generic kills everything. And if you go, for instance, with an animal or a dragon or a monster or a dog or anything, if you're just doing sounds that are disconnected from the reality, not just of the animal, but of the dynamic and the relationships that the animals are in, as well as the story arc of what needs to happen in the story and how those elements play out, if you don't have something playing out specifically with the non-vocals, it, 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 it detracts from from the good voice acting that you've got going from the spoken characters. You want it, You want that, I mean, that's why you want good professional actors in the spoken characters as well, but you need to have a, um, a, um, a thinking, real-time acting that's happening with the animals in, in addition to that, in, in order for the whole thing to be authentic and full and fulfill the story. That's that's the goal is to fulfill the story. So it cannot be generic, and it cannot just be a sound that one that's like a little a little different from each other. There has to be character and dynamic and relationship, and and that because you know I've had improv training and a lot of stage work, and I know all these other things. Is that's what that is what it. That's why you pay for me. That's what I can bring. If you don't need that, then use sound effects. But but. That's why I feel good about what I do, and I, I'm not I'm not afraid when they say, "Oh, well, there's this um, there's this algorithm that can sound like a human voice, or it can sound like Marilyn Monroe." It's like good, good for that. You know yeah. what? Yeah. Last bastion of acting is going to be voice acting, I think, yeah. and and you need a human voice in there to animate the character and the story that's happening. Otherwise, it's not a human story and no human's going to want to watch it or pay for it to stream it. Sort of a, a voice uncanny valley. It um, yeah. It, re it reminds me a little uh, talking to um, to our composer about, uh, you know, using synth, right? And that there are, there are composers who you think that they've got, like in these big movies, who've got, you know, these, you know, 300 million piece orchestras. And it's, and it's all kind of done through through synth and how like one of the, the things that they work hardest on is introducing imperfections into it right. because our ears can tell. It just, it sounds not right. 
it sounds like there's something that's that's off. Like, like no matter how good the orchestra is, no matter how great that trumpet line is, there's always going to be you know one player who's like slightly faster on the attack than the rest of them. So you get that yeah. organic feel that you just don't get when with the press of a key. It, yeah, exactly. it's um, it's organic. It's human. It's um, it's jazz. You know, it's it even classical has its humanity. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, in terms of what I do, you know, this is either like, uh, it's like a short order um, chef who owns his own cafe, you know, where I, I, I make the dish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it's, it's like being in a jazz band, you know, this is a collaborative art form where everyone's working together and you, you kick the solo around, but ultimately you're all playing the same tune. And, you know, like my dad would say, you know, that the most important thing is not whether or not you slow up or, or uh, slow down or, or fast, but but that you're all playing together. That's right. the important part in jazz, right? right. And, and, and even though it's free and it's loose and there's, you know, improv and there's, and there's, there's, there's uh, unexpected, you know, that, that comes into it that makes it better than you ever thought it would be or the surprises, right? Right. And that's, that's, that's part of what I'm, I'm hired to bring. That's, 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 that's what you pay for. So that brings up an interesting question for me. In in this era of COVID, uh, when you know we're all kind of on lockdown to various degrees, and um, you know I've been working on the show a uh, show for the last year. Ashley's been working on his show for the last year, and we're unable to get our casts together in the studio for you know prior to COVID, we would typically try to get the whole cast in at the same time, and in three or four hours we would record the entire show generally in order. Um, but now, you know, because we just have to, we're, we're, we sometimes able to get actors in, in maybe in pairs in the studio in isolation booths, but most of the time, you know, you as an actor, you're, you're dialing in from your remote location. That's all I've done since yeah. COVID started. That's, I've so only do you find that uh, challenging? Does it help you to, you know, to, it's hard to, to kind of do a jazzy improv when you don't know what the other musicians are doing. Well, um, it's different on every show because some shows are, you know, like Clone Wars, for instance, that that was an ensemble show where they would usually have the entire cast in, although occasionally uh, one or two characters couldn't make it that day. You know, they'd be doing... So you would remotely all at the same time, you would all be in together? Uh, no, no. Oh, uh, oh. In the old days, yeah. uh, they would they would pick that other character or two up later, but right. it would be the show. But you, you also have shows like, for instance, American Dad, where we're all together for the table read, uh, but that's not recorded. Um, right. And we're all recorded separately. Everybody's recorded separately for that. And really, with especially with the weird stuff that I do, <laughs> the <laughs> creatures and monsters and stuff, is they don't need the guy who's doing the creature, the monster, or the dog, or whatever, to sit there for the whole episode <laughs> while the humans do their talking. And and so for most of my work, in any case, I'd be brought in to a studio in the old days, uh, but it'd be by myself, and and they'd mm-hmm. direct me, and I'd do the sounds, you know, for Minnie's bow tunes or 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 for whatever, you know, the duck and the and the and the monster. And then I'm out, and that's it. And I and and so it was. It was like halfway to what it is now, where it's everybody is remote. It's just I'm used to looking at a screen, but it was really a window, the engineer's right. window. And on the other side of the engineer's window were the producers and the, and the engineer and all that. But now I can see them on my big monitor in front of me. So it's it's not terribly different, mm-hmm. except for. 
the 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 entrance and the exit where you say hello to the assistants who who do their their good work and and make this easy and you have you have an in in a face-to-face human connection <laughs> yeah. that, that social aspect that yeah, yeah like before the session when you're just kind of shooting the shit and, and talking about right talking about your day <laughs> right there's a, there's a, there's a social overture to it that I mean look we're you know that the, the great the great difficulty, I think, right now for humanity, especially with the COVID, but also with social media, is that that so much of of communication and the nuance of communication is stripped away, and we're a fundamentally social creature, a face to face creature, mm-hmm. and um, and we are um, uh, atomized uh, because of the virus, but also because of how society is moving and how technology is moving us, especially in social media, where we're corralled into these little tiny individualized um, shoots that feels like we're connected to everybody, but it's actually a cherry picked reality. That's right. right. That we're not really cherry picking ourselves. We're cherry picking only to teach the algorithms that are shaping this experience, how to better um, predict what we're going to do so that they can sell these predictions to whoever wants to pay for it. Well, yeah, I just, watched the, so, I, I just watched the the social dilemma the other night, which yeah. talks about those algorithms that that's it. that create your your feed and your reality. Well, that's that's it, and and there's uh you know that's based the the woman who's interviewed in that uh, with the big the big uh, kind of peppered mane. Uh, she wrote. Um, uh, the, the age of surveillance capitalism. There's the book to read, and that that really that really unpacks in great detail um, what may be the downfall of humanity is 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 this technology, this thing that we've unleashed. Like we're we're very capable of doing, <laughs> you know, like the atom bomb or, or or whatever you want that just brings about this this massive transformational change. Um, and most of which we can't even see where it leads or what it's going to lead to. Some of it may be good, but some of it may, may be really, really bad. And well, then and put us in a place where, you know, we're, we're powerless against ourselves. <laughs> there's, there's already the, the effects that, that we can see of that, that, you know, in the last 10 years, I mean, demonstrably strong correlation, even, yeah. well, yeah, but even it, there's IQs have dropped literally 10 points. Yeah. Um, uh, rates of depression and anxiety have gone up 40%. And it, it all goes back yeah, a decade. Suicide, suicide rates, suicide especially rates. among teens and preteens. Completely. It's, it is, it's an epidemic. I mean, to the point where somebody asked me, um, I, was, I was talking to some young writers and they asked me, you know, how they can use social media. I said, <laughs> really simple, you don't. Because if I get a submission from a writer, one of the things I do is, uh, I go out and I look at their Twitter. And if they have more than 10,000 tweets, a little flag goes up. <laughs> right? Because it says, something's telling me that um, your head's not in the game. Uh, but it, uh, kind of bringing it back, I mean, from, yeah. from all of that, like to what, to what you're doing, like the, the thing to me that has been, the, I think, the, the hardest adjustment, like being, um, being separated from you, right? Rather than like, it's a, it's a window and, you know, we're back here. And there's just, that's all there is between us and the actors. And it's all a technical thing, just for sound and all that. Is, um, to me, it was always good, 
you know, if the, it wasn't just the social part. It was also when, you know, the actor really needed to kind of get into, uh, get into a scene, get into a line, really needed to talk about things. To me, it was always so much better to be able to walk into that room, sit down and just talk face to face with the actor and yeah. just have that personal conversation rather than oh, yeah. let's hit the button and in front of everybody, right? Let's just kind of be voices at each other, which I think is like a, is a real loss. Yeah, and it's it, it's one that's uh, it's easy to miss, but it's it's profound because it's it's uh, like I'm saying it's it, it's it's face to face interaction is the oxygen um, of the DNA of our species, and we don't have that, and and it's slowly coming back to some extent. It's part of why I, I think it's a large degree why people just are so um, urgent and desperate to either get back together or defy the masks or to to just you know turn turn life back to normal even if it kills us right. it's that yeah. it, it's like that hardwired into us that um that we just need to be around each other that it shouldn't be they shouldn't have called it social distancing they should should have called it physical distancing right not social social is what we need we need that and unfortunately we get it with the physical proximity you know right and we've got it anyway with the with the technology um, so here's a, another kind of question for you on, um, on just how you, uh, actually, no, you know what? I'm just gonna make statements from now on. Um, no, <laughs> I, I've just been thinking about the, about the, the, the question of your, your ability to kind of find these individual characters within a sound that are very different, right? They kind of create these, like these different personalities and, to me, it kind of it it brings it back a little bit to um, to the Clone Wars. Like one of the the things that I think about with you in particular is how you I think maybe have the hardest job in voice acting because you get asked to play uh, umpteen variants of one essential character. One is, well, it's not really one essential character; it's one essential voice, and yet somehow you do it right somehow like you managed to give like every single one of those those clones every single member oh, of the I bad so. batch like, oh my god it's just you can tell who they are not just because of how they're written because of how you talk it's your it's your pace uh it's your emphasis it's all of that i mean how much preparation do you have to do for that relative to to anything else well ultimately the preparation for that is one of becoming an actor and becoming somebody whose uh, improvisational and storytelling antenna are attuned to this, and and I think that's true for an actor or or a writer, or or someone who's good at voice directing, is that you have a sense of story and what characters need to do, and how they need to be different, and how a scene needs to have a dynamic that plays out. That how some things need to escalate, how some things need to be separated in order to make sense, uh, how some things need to complement something else that's going on, or that you need to set up something that's going to pay off later. These are awarenesses that you that you that you cultivate within yourself over a long period of time of making things and of spending time making things with others. And, and familiarizing yourself and however you do it with storytelling, 
Whether it's reading books or comics or playing video games or watching monster movies or musicals or Buster Keaton or, um, or, or, or movies or, or anything, is that you slowly accumulate within yourself this sensibility of storytelling and in addition to a tap onto your version of doing this so that you can assist in the collaboration of, of whatever form that you're involved with, whether it's doing stage plays or a, a, a live television show or an animated series or, or a video game even. And, 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 and a lot of these sensibilities as far as acting goes, you can apply those with some adjustment to different realms. You know, you can do you can do Broadway, you can do and animation, and you know, uh, you know, check off or or a, a television, you know, a, a police procedural or whatever. It's possible, but you have to have those sensibilities sort of activated and attuned within you in order to make those switches. Some people can do seemingly everything. Hear what you said. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Siri. Siri. Siri, I was trying to talk about Meryl Streep. Come on. (laughs) So some people people can make those switches and do all those things, and some can just kind of do one version of it, you know, which is is great. But for me, you know, getting back to it, the answer is just, it's how decades of my life of, of performance experience, most of which was not money directed and, and certainly was amateur and just for fun, um, and it gradually money became involved with it a few decades in, <laughs> but, but not before. But, but it's just, it's, 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 it's cultivating this enjoyment of, of, of whatever your version of creating and making things is, which uh, in my case involves, you know, a kind of a collaborative storytelling, which in my version of that is acting and more specifically voice acting and often, you know, doing the creature stuff and the weird stuff. But in the case of like Clone Wars and Bad Batch, that, that's, that's about as straight ahead of, 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 a, of an acting gig as I've ever had. You know, it's the straight ahead stuff too, but it, it's not different to me in terms of what I'm trying to do than it is, you know, voicing Momo and Appa in Airbender. It's the same gig. It's the same mission. It's what I have to do, what I have to bring, the problem solving that I have to apply is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. So with, with regard to the clones, uh, I, I want to stay on this for a minute. So uh, when I was writing uh, on on Clone Wars or Rebels, I, I would often, uh, when I, writing clone characters, I would try to look for a specific sort of attitude yeah. for each clone and and especially like rookies which was the one of the, I think the first episode that really highlighted the clones as characters unto themselves I it was kind of baked into their names like I named Echo because he's the guy that's quoting the regulations he's right. echoing the regulations right. or heavy he's the bad he's always coming in heavy he's got lots of weapons oh, you know he's I very martial yeah. um and uh and when I wrote on uh, the video game uh, Republic Heroes um I had to write thousands of lines of dialogue for all these, for like, I think eight or 12 different clone characters. And one of them, I thought, well, how, you know, I I knew you would bring your magic to it and your, your distinctive distinctiveness to the different clone characters, but I wanted to give, I needed a hook for myself. So I, I think for one character, I thought, well, this guy's been stationed on Tatooine during the clone war. So he's got a lot of Hatties sprinkled into his dialogue. Mm. Um, When you're, 
when you're looking at a script for a Clone Wars or Rebels or Bad Batch where you're, you're playing a clone character, do you look for a, a specific character hook yeah. uh, for each character? And do you assign yeah. something to remember? It's like, uh, yeah. I know there's an acting technique where they say, like, this character is a panther or this character yes. is a snake or whatever. Do you, do you I do. make cheat sheets for yourself? Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's often just finding an adjective or, or a modified adjective to hang that character on. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, in Bad Batch, um, uh, Crosshair is a coiled snake. Mm. Um, and then I might kind of think of Hannibal Lecter a little bit, but it's that, it's that coiled snake. That sort of readiness and that sitting there just watching. And it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's that. Um, whereas Tech is very easy breezy. Nothing, nothing particularly bothers him, and it's all just very thrown off. Even if we're crashing, this is it. <laughs> These are the facts. He's never, he's never trying to persuade you of anything at all because he knows it, and it's obvious, and it's easy breezy. Uh -huh. and, then, and then, you know, Wrecker's, Wrecker's a little boy. Mm. <laughs> and Hunter, uh, for him, there's, um, there's a covetousness to his voice. That's not like Rex. Rex is more straight ahead and rings more, but Hunter's more like that. And Echo's grumpier, and he's a little gravelier, and, and got a little more resistance to him because he's he's now he's half half machine, and he's he's a reg among these weirdos, and his, and then so there's <laughs> and so there's just these these are just the little hooks that I dial in the differences, mm -hmm. um, and you can I mean you know as a writer you you know and and and, and you enable me to do this is with your writing. So I mean, that's that's the key. Is that none of this works without good writing? <laughs> not <laughs> not none of television, no comedy, uh, whether it's word comedy or not. You know, Buster Keaton has no, you know, or or SpongeBob or or Bugs Bunny. It's like the writing is visual, right? Uh, so that's that's absolutely key. But that's that's what I look for is to hang the the specificity of difference on so I can just jump from character to character like you're in a stream jumping from rock to rock. Is it? So I'm going to throw this. I'm going to throw this out there because I want to manifest this because I just want to see it. I pitched years ago during Clone Wars a clone character who had like his throat shot out or you know breathed some gas or something. So oh. I, I wanted I wanted the clone with like the voice box. It's like I still want to hear a clone. He's still in the front line, but he's got like it's the clone character, requests. but synthesized through the yes yes commander <laughs> I, I want to see there we go you don't even need the voice box that's astonishing <laughs> okay, so when you've got something like that right you've got the bad batch and you know you've got to play all these guys and you have them in your head or you're playing you know i can see the them they're like different people to me it's right. like i'm not doing this does that's it matter it to you what order you record in like when you're doing this, like I love watching act, like voice actors, like really great ones be in scenes where they're in conflict with themselves because they're playing multiple roles. But when you've got like these like five guys, you're all the same guy. Uh, do you, well, there do can you, be more. There, there's some more. episodes coming up. There's more than just the Bad Batch. Yeah, there's other clones. That's <laughs> not, very exciting. Not to spoil anything, but there's some other clones maybe. And, <laughs> um, there you know, might like, be clones. Like, it gets a little more complicated than that, even. But when you walk <laughs> in the booth, does the do you have a preference of like of of which character you want to be first in the scene? Do you have like no, a way no, of kind of holding scene, in your head? We do the scene straight through. Wow, that's amazing. So you're basically you're not just kind of doing like okay, now I'm going to do Hunter, and now I'm going to do uh, wow. 
Except, I mean, occasionally Wrecker's yelling, and I, I, I want to do Wrecker yells at the end of the session because it hurts my voice. Yeah. Other than that, we go straight through it. Wow, man. Wow. Um, that's astonishing. Like, well, I mean, it looks it looks freakish, but it's it's like it's like if you have a piano player with facility of styles of music and they go from playing Mozart to playing Monk to playing Cole Porter and to playing a nursery rhyme. And it's like, how do you do that that quickly? Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a piano. How do you make that piano do a different thing like that so quickly? It's because <laughs> you, you know, the styles and you know how to access those styles and what flavors them and, and, and you, you have that within you so that it's just an effortless switch. Earlier on, when you're learning it, when you're finding your creative traction, there may be effort or struggle to, 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 to lock into it, let alone from switch from one to the other. But as you gradually get facility, then it's not so difficult. You know, I would imagine, you know, it's like, well, you know, in the morning to write on a preschool show, in the afternoon to write on um, a, uh, an adult swim show, and in the evening to do like a straight ahead R-rated, you know, sword and, and dragons show. It's like <laughs> you just, you make the switch because you have it within you. Right. Well, that kind of gives the lie a little bit to, uh, to method acting, right? It's like, because you don't have to inhabit the character 24 Seven. The, the no, character seems to come from somewhere else, right? Well, look, different things that work for different actors. You know, you right. can't you you can't go to Daniel Day Lewis and say you're full of shit with this whole <laughs> well, you can't. Mr. Lincoln all day fucking long. Sorry, I didn't swear. <laughs> but 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 it's like because look, the proof's in the pudding. I you can't argue with this brilliance. That's his version of doing it. But you know, it's like you know, it's like what did um, Sir um. Uh, it was a famous actor. It was in, in a, a marathon man with with, oh, Dustin, yes. with Dustin Hoffman, you know, Dustin Hoffman putting himself through hell so he can, you know, fully realize what a tortured person is like in a movie theater. And he's, Lawrence, he's staying up, staying up yeah, three nights yeah, in a row, sleepless and, nights. And, yeah. and Lawrence Olivier says, Lawrence Olivier is like, darling, all you have to do is act. You only have to act. You don't have to put yourself <laughs> it's through acting, this. my boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's but it's different for different actors. I mean, actors are trained differently or fall into their skills differently. I'm not a trained actor. I'm I'm a I'm more street trained than anything, or experience trained or whatever you want to call it. Experience counts counts for everything. Um, but um, <laughs> but but that's that's just kind of how I see it. So I I don't want to look down at those who I think try sure. far too hard to get the, the the great thing that they do because ultimately. If they're doing a great performance, however you got there, good yep. for you. Right. No, I just sort of stand in awe of your ability to kind of maintain all those different headspaces <laughs> at once and just kind of get get into it in a scene. Like that's well, just, it, that's it, delightful. It, it, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Thanks. It's a lot of fun to do. Uh, and I mean, I'm a lot more confident now and, and I, I'm, I'm much more connected to my abilities, uh, you know, than I was, you know, 5, 10, 20, you know, 30 years ago when I started out in Los Angeles. Um, so, so that I wouldn't, I, I never would have found this in me back then. I would have, I never would have thought myself capable of this back then. <laughs> That's one of the nice things if you just kind of stick with it and also kind of keep pushing into new avenues is that you find that there's more in there than you thought. And that, you know, you can do more than you ever suspected. 
and um, and that you're way better than you ever thought you could be. Uh, even though there's, it always feels like there's there's further to go and there's new things to discover, new ways to push, and all of that. But um, you know, there, there's a there's a kind of a groove to uh, to a, a professional creative existence that is uh, that's still growing, that still has momentum, that's still changing. You know. Um, but it's um, it it's it, it's nice to to have that. I, I guess I haven't arrived there because it feels like that it's still this this uh, expanding change uh, in terms of who I am and and how I how I understand myself and and the things I'm trying and the things that I'm making and and you know it 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 is life still. I'm still at a chapter in life where life is still interesting and I'm still able to make things pretty much go the way I like and things are going pretty well, uh, pretty pretty darn well right now. Uh, it won't always be that way and I'm ready for that because I'm a freelance, I'm a freelance entrepreneur, right? Uh, a creative entrepreneur. So I, I, I still know what it's like to do a gig because they have free food, you know? <laughs> Those are pretty That's, good. I, Actually, I, wait a minute. I still, it's like, that's that's awesome to have this awesome sandwich tray right here for me to, you know, it's like, that's that's payment enough for part of me that's still here. That it's like, I feel like, I feel like an amateur still, you know, that is amateur. You, you love it. You do it because you love it. it doesn't Was there mean a moment when the light went on for you that you went, I do love this. I, I love voice acting. I I love being an alligator. You know, I, I love, you know, that it just, it just occurred to you, it clicked that this was the right thing in the right place for you. Well, it, it was a dawning, it was a progressive dawning that I, I think maybe especially, uh, I, you know, it's not just connecting into your career, but it's connecting into who you are and connecting into your life and that, that that was kind of a, a a linchpin moment for me when I, I about uh, about nine years ago I almost had a heart attack, mm-hmm. um, and it was due, due to stress and I think some lifestyle things that were going on. You know, it's a very scary thing. You know, you have I'm old enough that you start to have you know health events. I uh, just had one about a month and a half ago, actually. Not a heart attack, but uh, this this kind of health issue, um, which I think I'm getting past now. But but. The thing that I found is that that you you learn a lot from these kind of dramatic, scary things that life will bring your way. And as an artist, as as a professional artist, uh, as a human, uh, you your job is to not just get through this and process this, but actually to overcome it and to to derive benefit from it, and then to bring this this new framing of the stakes of your life into what you create and into the stories that you tell, into the collaborations that you make and into, into the living of your life. And so that's part of the, the switch for me is, is this isn't just an activity and it's not just a career. It's actually a facet of how I'm living my life. And it connects into the other things that are playing out in my in my life, uh, you know, uh, personally with with friends and family and location and and in America and politics and and with the the virus and and with and with with what other people are making the acceleration of the distribution of storytelling of streaming of storytelling uh, and how and how that has created more and more need for really awesome content and I mean. All of these things weave together 
in, in this cacophony, uh, this fascinating cacophony of change that, you know, I, I feel like, I, I feel I'm on snake, I'm snake Pliskin. I, I'm on, I'm on the surfboard. I'm, I'm, I can surf. <laughs> we won't call you snake. With, with, <laughs> what a stupid image that is. I, did snake Pliskin actually surf or was that? Yeah, it was actually, it was, uh, that was, it was Peter Fonda. Peter Fonda was surfing. That's but right. But snake was around. Yeah. I, I only saw that movie once, but it's like, I still think of that movie. I got to go back and see that movie. Yeah, Sheep from L.A., not the best sequel of all time. No. No. No, no not at all. one of the great disappointments. Of, I'm of just, uh, I, yeah, I remember kind of being vaguely disappointed with it, and yet it's like, I still, it's like, but but he made They Live on the Thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like, I just, oh, oh. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, I just rewatched Starman. Totally holds oh. up. It's, I watched it. it yeah, I watched it last year myself. It's oh, delightful. I, I only saw it, it when it came out and just loved it. And I, I haven't seen it since. And I've, I've, I've wondered, does that... It's, it's like, what it's a terrific. beautiful... I thought it was such a beautiful, smart, interesting, good script. I mean, I, I'm assuming that he didn't write it. I don't remember. But um, oh, but no, it's Jeff, just, but it, it, Jeff Bridges is a goddamn national treasure. Yeah, he really is. He is great. He's he's. It's like, that's that. he is the dude. He yeah, is. yeah, yeah. He's, he, and, he, and he endures. I was just, I was, I was, I was going on about to my wife and family about uh, Hell or High Water uh, oh, that he oh. was in, yeah, which is just yeah. like, I just love that movie. I just, it's a great movie. Love it. It's a great movie, and I don't know if a lot of people saw it because it looked like, oh, it's kind of a western thing. Sort of I don't know. Cars. I no, it's awesome. Uh, it's it's top notch. Yeah, it is. In all I, I watched uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot last year, also one oh. of his early roles with Clint Eastwood. Also a great little heist yeah. movie. But that's something that you've got to do as a, you know, you know, in our neck of woods is that you've, you've got to kind of fall in love with the whole legacy and the history of, of, of storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, and not, uh, you know, and, and for me, that includes, you know, books and, and written, but in comic books and things like that, video games. But but you got to delight in an old movie mm -hmm. or, or an old television show, an old character actor. Uh, I mean, because there's just, you can access it all. You can yes. see it all now. Back when, when I was a pup, you couldn't. You couldn't get access to any of this stuff. And now it's like, oh, my God, I can, you know, I can... I can find the courtroom finale scene in What's Up Doc and I can watch it because somebody has ripped it and put it on YouTube. You know, you got to feed yourself as an artist. It's yeah. important to take time to feed. To I'm feed very, yourself. very big on that, on, on feeding the artistic well. I mean, people are always asking us, like, how do I, how do I make connections or how do I make a demo or how do I get an agent? It's like, you know, leave that shit for later. How about what are you doing right now to get really good at what you want to do? How, how, what are you making right now? What are you doing that feeds the enthusiasm of your life? What are you drilling into and excavating from yourself that you can bring out into this world and polish up and, and look at and, and, and make, you know, into a story or, or, or bring to your work or something? What, what are you doing there? Because that's the essence of, of what not only brings the enjoyment of life, but also it adds to your competence as a, as a creative person and a storyteller. And that's what people want to hire. They don't want to hire someone who who sends out a marketing sender or who, right. who puts together a really good demo. It's like that. Yeah, you want to do that shit, but that's not the essence of it. You want to be someone 
who makes compelling stuff that you love that's of your life. That's what you want. So what are you feeding yourself in that um, vein? Other than well, hell and high water. Uh, I, well, in terms of the various things that I'm doing, uh, well, let's see, I, I have this, <laughs> this back burner project where I'm trying to learn to play the bass. Um, which I haven't been very dedicated to recently. I've got macro photography of insects. Uh, oh, which I've seen some of your I, photography. I, I made it's a, wonderful. I, I love making, I mean, it's like I have all these stupid we websites. It's, it's, it's dbakerphotography.com, and I put all my insect fi pictures on that. I really love Halloween and making my Halloween yard. Yes. And And uh, I, I made a, a creepyyard.com. That's another site that shows you how to make creepy yards. Creepyyard.com. <laughs> creepy, creepyyard.com. Uh, and and um, and then uh, and then I've got my website, my I want to be a voice actor.com where I'm always just just going on and on and on about about how to become a voice actor, how to become a an artist, how to how to you know kind of discover what your own particular uh, creative compass is and and where to follow that, but with a lot of hard details about becoming a professional artist uh, of everything that I've learned and that I know. Um, and I just put it out there for free. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we hit that. Uh, so this is, it's called I want to be a voice actor.com. I want do, to be a voice actor.com. Do you still teach? Uh, or have you, occasionally I, I teach. I'm, I'm going to do a couple of things. I, 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 part of the thing is I don't think I can help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the most you can do to help yourself is, is to, is to feed your life and feed your creativity and to make things and, and, to, to collaborate with other people making things. Mm -hmm. But I, I do teach occasionally. Um, I just don't like, I don't like, I don't like charging people to teach. I, I just want to teach them for free. <laughs> and so oh, yeah, I kind of I feel the same way. It's like, who am I to teach people how to do, you know, it's like, I'm just some guy. For most people, it's like, I am not going to teach you to be a voice actor. You will not right. come out if you're a voice actor. And in 10 years, 20 years, you will not be a voice actor. 98% of the time. But there's a couple percent that's like, they actually will become voice actors. Or you'll say something that's like, this changed my life. I didn't become a voice actor, but it was insightful and it was inspiring and, and, and that's meaningful. So uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I occasionally teach, but mostly I try to put the information that I, I, that I think of, I want to put it on my website so anybody can access it for free. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. That's awesome. It's like, um, you know, in the, in the, the writing business, because everybody, I think there's a couple of things everybody thinks they can do, right? Yeah. Like one of the things that people, everybody thinks they can do, um, for is, now. is for now is, is right. Right. Or if I only have the time. Right. I would write a great novel or a great screenplay. Well, it's something you can do by just saying that you're doing it. That's right. right. I'm, or I'm somebody being an, an actor and saying, well, of course I can be a voice actor because I can do voices as though that's the same thing as, as acting, but what I what I love about what you're what you're saying and and just kind of putting it out there for free is there are so many there are so many people who I think in this in this business who are in some ways really only tangentially in the business or have only kind of flirted with being professionals who really exploit um, that that desire and that creative need that that people have. Um, and have, have really kind of taken advantage of it. And I think it's just awesome that you're out there saying, look, here's a resource. And I, I can't promise you anything, kid, but, um, but here's the benefit of my experience. The response that you get when you create something that you love and just put it out in the world. 
and you give it to people. You get no money from that, but you get so much more gratitude and appreciation. And I think you you make a lot of impact. And, and maybe, okay, maybe you can't always do that because there are things that you do very, very well that you, you certainly deserve to be paid for. But for me, it, it was part of it. It's just like, I want to have a corner of my life and, a, and I want that to be a good-sized corner where I'm making things that I love, that it's like my Halloween yards, my bug photography, I just freaking love it. And it's it takes up way too much of my time, and, along with my website, um, and and um, and and I just love it, and people love it. People respond to it, and they it's like it's like you've given them a shot in the arm with five shots of caffeine when they when they come upon it, and they're so grateful and energized and enthusiastic, uh, you know, and and they respond. It's like you 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 change the world. You connect to the world. You make the world better by creating. And that's that's why you create in the first place. You're, you're making the world better because this is something that we should do. It's not just this zero-sum zero proposition where it's I win or you you lose or, or you win and I lose or I, I live and you die. It's like we make something together. We endure together. We connect together. We make something together. That's what we're doing. This is our hope. This is the only thing that's going to get humanity through the next hundred or so years, or maybe the next five, is <laughs> if we work together and make things and connect and and you know to try to to try to to bring out the best part of what what potential we have in defiance of the least of what we all have, which is a substantial legacy, <laughs> and and so. You know, that sounds kind of highfalutin. It sounds like I'm insane, or you know, maybe that's the bourbon <laughs> talking. But it, but it's you know that that's how I see it. it. Is is like you know, I think there's a lot of what I would call lifestyle actors, where you 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 know I won't say who I, you know I, that'd be mean to say names. But there's some actors who's like, <laughs> wow, fun. they used to they used to do really cool shit, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, they really do boring. Uh, big movies that are boring and terrible, and it's like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. Well, they just come became a lifestyle actor, and the thing that they create is kind of doesn't really mean anything to them apparently, uh, and they just want the money to support their their homes and their lifestyles or their alimonies or whatever they got going. And um, and maybe I'm just very lucky, or maybe I'm just naive, but but you know, I I don't see life that way. I don't see my creativity and my job that way. You know, I'm at the top of my game, luckily, and I'm very grateful for it. I've got more work than I've ever had, and I want more because I like making. It's not because I like making money. I mean, it pays, but that I'm fine with that. But I just like making stuff, and I like doing it well, and I like making it with people who love making it, and this is fun. It's and fun, yeah. It should it, be fun. It's really fun, and and I think I just think an artist's life, no matter whether you're an actor, you're a writer, or a director, or a producer— or someone who's involved with the whole creative collaboration is that you, you've, your life has to matter to you and you need to bring this into your work and, and it must feed the authenticity and the enjoyment of your work or find a way to, to make that so. And uh, I've just been very lucky that I've been able to find that. <laughs> 
Well, it's, well it'll it'll show if you if you have that passion behind it. People but, want that. They want yeah. that around. It's infectious. <laughs> yeah, and it's no it's, pun intent, no COVID pun intent. Oh my god! Yeah, it's astonishing to me, by the way, that you know we in this whole conversation we've 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 really only barely touched on the Clone Wars. We have hardly mentioned Avatar, Korra, all those things. I mean, it is a testament to the to the work that you've done, the amount of work that you've done, just the 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 breadth of it, and and your and your passion just for talking about the work. And I know from experience, I'm sure Steve, um, you know, has 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 got an answer to this question. But is there something that you worked on that you just loved? You were incredibly passionate about it. And you know, it's uh, unlike, say, the Clone Wars or Avatar or Korra. It's it's not something we talk about now. But it was just it was something that you just had so much fun doing, and you were so happy that you did it. <laughs> well, okay. Well, if you if you clear away Clone Wars and and Airbender, uh, you know, and even Korra. I mean, the, those are that's right at the very tippy top of 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 my the height of my delight and enjoyment and pride. Right. Uh, um, I love that. But I'll throw out something silly. Sure. Um, is that I had such fun doing uh, Lego Aquaman Rage of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this, it's a silly little Legos movie that's very fun. And I got to be Aquaman. And it was a, it was a character, I'd done it like once or twice before. It, it, it's a comedic a take on that, and um, this is and a really I, realistic Lego. It, it was. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the. It's not. It's not the. Uh, it's not the Zack Snyder uh, Aquaman at all. Um, and, but it was this character that it was this, this kind of goofy royal main principal character that I never get cast as. I never get cast as a character like that. And I, I really had fun doing it. And when I watched it, it really made me laugh. I, I made myself laugh. I thought it was fun. Um, par partially just because it was such a refreshing, odd little little twist of a change. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that's, that's more, that's like more substantial or, or artistically fill, <laughs> fulfilling. I mean, it's like, you had Clone Wars, you take Clone Wars and Avatar off the table. It's like, that's... Look, uh, man. You got to be Lego Aquaman. There's like, there's like, no, you know what? Maybe I got to come with something better than that. Like, I got to be Lego Aquaman. That, that's astonishing. Like, I want to go out, find it, and watch it. Ray, Rage of Atlantis. What it's is Aquaman, Rage, Rage of Atlantis. Of Atlantis. It's so silly and so dumb, but I had fun doing it, and it delighted me, I must say. <laughs> and that's the important thing, right? Like, those I, I are the was lucky enough to. I was, yeah. I was lucky enough to write on uh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold, which was a similarly sort of fun take on the Batman yeah. DC universe. And yeah. John DiMaggio famously played Aquaman in that, and he Little was just John. outrageous. Yeah. I mean, it was so much fun to work yeah. on that show. It's like. You know, I, I don't all, you know, writing is work, you know, and I'm very happy to have work. But sometimes a show is also really fun to work on. And, and Batman the Brave and the Bold was one that I just always look forward to actually sitting down in front of the computer and working on. Because it was just Yeah, fun. that had a, a nice kind of um, comedic theatricality to it that was, you know, you get the right people like John in there. And yeah. you got you got yourself some fun. Diedrich Bader <laughs> was Batman. Yeah, yeah. For God's yeah. sake. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, that's that's true. There was also there was a character um, 
There was a character in in one single episode of Airbender. Uh, he was a, a character named Chong, uh, and and Lorraine Newman was my wife. But he would sing these <laughs> songs, and they said, "Yeah, would you do this little one-off character?" It's like, okay, what is it? We'll send you like a little temp track to the song. And I listened to it. I just thought, oh, that sounds terrible. That's a terrible song. I don't think this is gonna work. I, I don't know. I just you know. And 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 that's kind of my 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 take going into it. And I stepped into the studio, and they said, well, "What do you think we should do with this guy?" I said. Well, why don't we just have him just kind of a just kind of an offhanded kind of a guy is is kind of a hippie who's don't give your love to a traveling girl. Now and I remember this secret tunnel, <laughs> secret tunnel, and he has this song about the secret tunnel that any fan of Avatar immediately yes. knows, and yep. they love that song, and it's yes. a marvelous song. <laughs> and, 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 and and I love that character so very, very much. Um, but it, it's another instance of, you know, you, you, you find once you have some momentum in your career is that there are parts of you that you throw up your own walls and you throw up a negativity before you've actually stepped over that threshold. But then you realize after you've stepped over that threshold, that something's going to be okay, and it's it's going to be very good. Actually, you just need to not listen to this negative wall that you're throwing up. And sometimes it it, it takes a long time of working to finally start to trust that this is actually going to be very very good, even though it seems right now that this is a dead end, or you think you're going to suck, or <laughs> this is a terrible idea, or whatever. Is that you you find a confidence that in your own creative problem solving to just to to pull that out of the air because that's your job that is what you do it's what i do <laughs> and isn't that what the secret tunnel is really all about that's the secret tunnel <laughs> man yeah whoa yeah. it's all amazing right. when you were describing him and the and the setup i was like what is he talking about which one is and the, but the second the voice came out i was like oh my god i know what episode he's talking tunnel. about the secret tunnel <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> I'm, very, I'm so very fond of that particular episode. I'm, I'm, I'm fond of all of it, though, but I just, I love, that, that's, a, that's a, such a lovely, a lovely little episode, lovely okay. story. Well, I hate to say it, we've been going on a very long time, oh, and the bartender is giving us the high sign, but I <laughs> want to thank fired. you. He's fired. Fire that fired. damn bartender. Fire the bartender. Hang it's him. very generous with your time, and uh, I, we'd love to have you back on. Yeah. To talk, I know we have we have plenty to talk about. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? The Bad Batch is now currently airing I, on I, Disney Plus. It's, it's being plugged su sufficiently everywhere. <laughs> I, 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 I want to well be plugged. A, it's a well plugged I, show. I, I want to be a voiceactor.com. Yeah, yeah. Check out uh, if you're curious about voice acting. Check out I want to be a voiceactor.com. Now, and um, you have your bug photography. So my, uh, I have a question: oh. Are you going to go to uh, to photograph the uh, cicada? Uh, situation this uh, summer. You know, once my once my Moderna number two shot is finished uh, with me in about a week and a half, then I'll be free to move about the country, and maybe I can get back there to. I because I love cicadas. I could go on and on about cicadas, but I love cicadas. <laughs> <laughs> I love bugs. <laughs> but thank thank you for having me on. Thank you for letting me rattle on and on. Um, I I have a lot of opinions, and I at this at this stage, I think I just. I, I think I somehow have the right just to just to go on and on about things. You do. <laughs> so it's delightful. 
So that's the, one of the great things about getting older. You just don't care anymore. Uh, and like, you know, like I went to the grocery store today and I, I at one point I looked down and like, am I wearing this in a store? Eh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like every day is a closer step to being completely unbearable. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how I feel. Or maybe I'm already there. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks well, for having me on, though. It was a lot of oh fun. Oh, my God. Thank you for coming. Thank I, you so much, And I love Steve. working with you guys. I, I mean, you know, uh, let me, I, I, that goes without say, but I, I love working with you guys. I really appreciate this. Well, thank you. <laughs> he is such a pro. We always know that when we get you in the booth that we're going to get something good. Good. I want it's going to be it, fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I want it to be fun. I want it to be well worth it. Well worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Better than you ever expected. That's what I want. And it always Thanks. is. Thank you, Dee. Uh, thank you, Ashley. So on behalf, uh, on behalf of my co-host, uh, thank you for joining us on the Cartoon Barroom. Uh, our sound engineers are Bill Ritter and Mark Rivera. Our producer is Natalie Miscali. Our co-producers are Peter Holmstrom and Zach Raggetts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and rating us five stars in the Apple Store. It really helps us spread the word. You can also check out the Electric Now's uh, sister shows, The 430 Movie, in which a group of industry professionals, including Ashley and myself, curate a fantasy theme week of classic movies, the Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate Star Trek podcast, and the best movies never made about films that never saw the light of a projector bulb. You can oh, watch man. all these podcasts and much more on the free Electric Now video streaming app. Download it today at your favorite app store. You can also follow all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So until next time... Secret tunnel, secret tunnel, through the mountain, secret, 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 secret tunnel, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're out. <laughs> Amazing. Big finish. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.